Well, the Nashville Predators have their old speed bump on the schedule tonight, the Arizona Coyotes, and that brought up an interesting discussion. What's the most embarrassing moment the Preds have had against the Coyotes in their long history of embarrassments against the Coyotes? Plus, will we see Philip Forsberg tonight? And if so, what will the Nashville Predators line combinations look like when everyone is back healthy? Coming up today on the Locked on Predators podcast. Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Predators your first listen of the day every single day. We are your free daily Nashville Predators podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day i'm nick morgan i'm a writer and editor at on the and i have a partner in crime you do i'm ann kimmel i'm a writer and editor at inside the preds.com we got the arizona coyotes on the schedule tonight and for normal teams that's like all right yeah well predators fans that's dear god what <laughs> monstrosity are we going to see in a 16 minute span tonight yeah. Why is there always a thing? There is always a hitch in the giddy up with the Arizona Coyotes when it comes to the Nashville Predators. And this is a long standing issue that we're going to dive into in, in just a few minutes. But you cannot relax. You know, you just can't relax, even though people may be feeling good in the Nashville Predators fan base about new direction of the team. And we're seeing some of these new young players. And this is going to be really exciting. Oh, Arizona Coyotes. How will we be embarrassed tonight, my friends? There's so many ways. The possibilities <laughs> are endless. We're going to talk about the most embarrassing moment uh, in the long history. Remember, this goes all the way back to that 2012 playoff series uh, where it just seems like whenever the Preds and Coyotes get involved, something stupid absolutely yeah. happens. We'll talk about that in a second, but first let's talk about the game tonight. Uh, this is another dangerous one for the Nashville Predators you know, the Arizona Coyotes, look, you know, we, we know what they are. They're basically trying to be bad. They're, they're one of the tanking teams. They've been in tank mode for quite some time now. They're the laughing stock that play in the college arena. And, and I'm looking at the stats. And I'm looking at, like, kind of what the Coyotes have done this season. And I have one question how is this not how is this team not better in the standings? Yeah, you look at their statistics, you also look back at their schedule and what is baffling about Arizona is they are the great spoilers of the NHL in a lot of ways. It's not just Nashville, although it feels personal here in Nashville. But yeah. this is an Arizona Coyote team that is supposed to be bad. They're intentionally you know, working on a very slow rebuild, you know, expectations are low. And yet this is a team that has come out. They beat Carolina twice. They beat Toronto. They beat Colorado. They beat Boston at some, you know, at one point in this season, you know, they, they beat Tampa Bay in a shootout. Like I cannot figure this team out because they're not supposed to be good. 
And yet every so often they stick it to another team in the NHL that is good in such a way that you can't just write them off. You know, are they going to make the playoffs? No, no, they're not going to make the playoffs, but they are going to make life miserable for playoff teams until their very last game. Here's the other weird thing that I noticed when researching the Coyotes. Uh, UC Saros, like among the best goalies in the NHL right now. Yes. Uh, Kevin Lankinen, who statistically speaking is probably the best backup in the NHL right now. Mm-hmm. Nashville Predators have one shutout this season. Uh, over on the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Connor Ingram, a 900 save percentage, same as Carl Vimelka. Both of them just absolutely losing record. They have like a 330, 340 goals against average between them. Four shutouts between the two of them. So how the Arizona Coyotes have three more shutouts this year (laughs) than the Nashville Predators. Uh, despite being 24th in goals allowed, uh, make, make anything that has happened this year make sense. And make anything that has to do with this year's Nashville Predators make sense. Like, look, I'm not a mathematician, but even if I were, I couldn't solve this riddle for you, Nick. This is so, it is the most bizarre team. Like, I thought that the Seattle Kraken being where they were and looking at their stats didn't make sense. And I'm not going to lie, like lost a little sleep over trying to piece together the Seattle Kraken. But then again, prepping for this and looking at Arizona, I'm like, it it doesn't match. Like this doesn't add up. Like you said, how do you have one shutout between UC Saros and Kevin Lincoln and two top goaltenders you know, backup and starter goaltenders in the league. And then you've got, you know, Vimelka and Connor Ingram, which shout out to Connor Ingram. Love Connor Ingram. We love love Nashville Predators' former prospect, Carl Vimelka, too. Well, that's true. We do. But, I mean, is he as funny on Twitter as Connor Ingram? I don't think so. (laughs) You know? But I, I can't make it make sense. This Arizona Coyote team, I can't make it make sense. The teams that they can come out and beat and then the games that they lose in what you would think would be typical Arizona Coyotes fashion, it just does not make any sense. It doesn't make sense. No, and the Coyotes have some good pieces too. Uh, Clayton Keller, 63 points this year in 64 games. I mean, that's... That's kind of right now their main bright spot to build around. Um, more points than the Nashville Predators leading score this season. Again, make it all make sense. Uh, and, you know, they got guys like Lawson Krauss, uh, 20 goals this year. You know, so they have some pieces to build around. Nick Schmaltz, uh, 45 points in 48 games. Remember, this is a guy that was on their fourth line last year. Uh, all of a sudden, he's getting hot. So, you know... It's and they have a deep prospect pool. And I said it yesterday when we were doing our Western Conference series. I like Arizona. Like mm-hmm. I wish good things for them. Yes. I just hope they can finally take some of these deep prospect pools, uh, some of these good players they have, and just you know stick with it and just build something. You know, obviously they had a franchise piece in Jacob Chikrin who they traded away. You know, I, I just hope they don't 
keep having to do that every four or five years for whatever reason. Uh, and, you know, I've said it before, like back in when the Coyotes first got there, like late 90s, early 2000s, when they had like Jeremy Roenick, Keith Kachuk, some of these really good players, Rick Tockett, another one. Right. They were a really fun team and it was a really fun atmosphere. You know, the whiteouts and, the, you know, just crazy fans. I, I hope we get back to that. Uh, I, I wish nothing but good things for hockey fans in Arizona, uh, except tonight. Um, On the Nashville Predators side, they got some, maybe some things going for them right now. The big question is going to be, will Philip Forsberg finally come back in this game? He's been skating for a while, just in a non-contact jersey. Is this when he comes back? And if so, what does the Nashville Predators lineup look like with not just him back, but maybe Phil Tomasino and Yuso Parson as well? We'll take a deep dive into that. But first, want to mention today's show brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Not just NHL happening, but the NBA season is here as well. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And that's because new customers get a new sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win all you have to do is download the FanDuel sportsbook app which is safe secure super easy to use and then you can bet on everything from money line to point scores to exclusive bets like the two by three which are two three pointers drained in the first three minutes of a game Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Don't miss a chance to get the year no-sweat first back up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. Why don't you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Again, FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner at the NBA and the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, Ann, we've been without Philip Forsberg for quite some time now. Yes. Uh, who's dealing with an upper body injury. The latest is that he has been skating. Remember, he went on the road trip. He skated the other day in a non-contact uniform. No word on his status today, but it would behoove the Nashville Predators to finally get some of those pieces back. Yeah, as we're looking at this new team from the trade deadline, there was a part of me that almost forgot, wait a minute, we still have Philip Forsberg. We still have Ryan Johansson. Now, I don't think we're going to see Johansson this season, you know, unless they make a deep playoff run and he has a really quick recovery. At um, this rate, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, knows we can't guarantee anything, friends. We just can't guarantee anything with this team. But you almost forget as we're looking at some of these new younger players and we're trying to piece together what is this team going to look like going forward, you forget, hey, we have Philip Forsberg. We have Ryan Johansson as of now. You know, let's see. We've let's see what happens with, you know, an eight million dollar contract in the offseason. Who knows? Again, who even knows, friends? But it changes the lineup when you plug in somebody like Philip Forsberg. It really changes what this team may be capable of. And it'll be interesting to see him back in the lineup with a really different team. I mean, no Matthias Ekholm, no Tanner Janot, no Mikhail Granlund. Like, it's going to be interesting to see how Forsberg fits in once he gets back onto onto the ice and into the game yeah i picture uh the will smith standing in an empty apartment 
gif at the end of Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you mentioned Forsberg. You mentioned Johansson. We're not going to see Johansson for the rest of the year. It seems like again, barring a Stanley Cup Finals run, which right. So who knows at this point? But. Two players that the Preds could get back soon, Yuso Parsonen, who's also been out day-to-day, and Phil Tomasino, who is also day-to-day. So those three have kind of been pivot points for the Nashville Predators. When you look at this team, Anne, mm-hmm. and those three are back, who it seems like those are going to be the first few to come back, what do the lineups look like? Great question. This is something I've actually, I've been on paper making arrows and trying to reconfigure lines. Just, you know, I'm sorting it out in my mind. It's Pepe Sylvie from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where you just got the giant whiteboard. I do. I should have put it up on my whiteboard. Y'all would have been horrified and delighted to see all of my markings. But you do have to make room for Philip Forsberg in obviously your top six. Phil Tomasino, we're going to have to talk about that one. Yuso Parson. And all of the sudden, the Nashville Predators have some really good centers. And they have young players that they're going to want to give significant, important developmental ice time to. And you've got to sort all of this out. And... It's not easy, especially if in your mind you do the first line, second line, third line, fourth line, fourth line isn't going to get very many minutes. Like I had to, I had to John Hines this friends. And I know that that's going to cause a ruckus among some people, but you really have to John Hines this lineup as in each line has an identity and you don't think of it in terms of ice time. That's not the way I would do it, but (laughs) (laughs) Hey, <laughs> John Hines is going to do it. Well, uh, it's hard to do because you want to give these young players as much time as you can to develop them. Like this is not, this is a, this is going to be an interesting dance putting together this lineup. Yeah. So here's the thing, you know, mm-hmm. you, you don't have Ryan Johansson. You right. traded away Mikhail Granlund and Nino Niederreiter. You also have to think you're going to need some veteran presence to play with some of these young guys as too. So here's my question. The top line right now, or as it's been the past couple of games has been Matt Duchesne, Tommy Novak, Luke Evangelista. Mm -hmm. Do you put Philip Forsberg back opposite Duchesne and have Tommy Novak in the middle? Or do you maybe think about splitting them up? Because then you could do Duchesne, Novak, Evangelista as your top line, or, you know, scoring line number one and scoring line number two can be Philip Forsberg, Cody Glass, who they played together, and then right. bring Phil Tomasino when he's back in the mix. Put those in there. Put him in there as well. Because right now, uh, the, the second line forward is John Leonard, who I don't think is going to be playing second line forward uh, for the Nashville Predators much into the future. Yes, I would agree. Here's the thing that I landed on in all of my scribbling, and you just touched on it. I think when you bring Philip Forsberg back, you have to put either Matt Duchesne or Philip Forsberg with Cody Glass. And here's why. Cody Glass, I think you have seen him grow in his, you know, in his role. I think he is somebody who is a really good playmaker. He's reads the game at kind of a Forsberg Duchesne pace. 
And even though I love the idea of Duchesne and Forsberg and Novak, I think you really have to put one of them. I would go with Forsberg with Cody Glass because I think that's the speed at which he needs to read the game and put a veteran like Forsberg with Glass and Tomasino and have Duchesne, Novak, and Evangelista. And that way you've got a veteran kind of bringing along a younger guy, kind of pushing that game pace, pushing the read of the game a little bit. As I just, I think you can't just put Cody Glass with Rasmus Asplund and John Leonard and see the best game you're going to see out of Cody Glass. And I don't think Cody Glass had his best game the last game. But I also think part of that is he reads the game at a certain pace that is Philip Forsberg-esque. So one of those two guys, I think, has to be with Glass. Yeah. To me, Cody Glass is he's really good at reading plays, really good setup guy, but not necessarily the best finisher, not necessarily the guy that is going to, you know, slam the door and, you know, finish the chance, that yes. kind of guy. He's more of a drive and open up plays for somebody else kind of guy. Yes. Which is fine. He just needs a pure finisher with him. And that's why I was like, okay, maybe you put Forsberg on that left wing. And then when you play Phil Tomasino, maybe on that right wing, you know, you all of a sudden have some extra juice on the wing. Phil Tomasino you know, more of a playmaker than a, than a finisher too, but he's got a lot of good speed, can drive towards the net and can also open things up for Philip Forsberg on the other side. So you're all of a sudden you have your Nashville's best goal scorer, best pure goal scorer mm-hmm. sitting next to two young playmakers that are going to try to open up space for him. I, I like the way that line looks. So I'm with you. I think you put Philip Forsberg with Cody Glass and maybe, um, you know, Phil Tomasino on that right wing. Uh, yeah. The interesting one is going to be Yuso Parsonen. Yes. Uh, because when he comes back, this is a guy who is doing really good at center, but m- more of kind of like either a middle six or maybe a bottom guy role too. Mm-hmm. So uh, do you leave Colton Sissons <laughs> as, bless you, do you leave Colton Sissons as your third line center? And maybe have Yuso Parson take some more shifts as a fourth liner or maybe fewer shifts, but more targeted, um, you know, more targeted ice time. Or do you say, you know, we need to play your youth and put Yuso Parson in as your third line center? Yeah. And I think that's a huge question because Yuso Parson is one of those players that you're going to want to get ice time for. So if you put him on a fourth line, That's where I go with the John Hines thing, like not the fourth line gets the least minutes. I think it's the fourth line is going to have a physical, you know, kind of a physical identity to that line. And, you know, Yusuf Parsonen is that guy, you know, this is a kid who is super physical. And so I think, you know, he needs more than fourth line minutes. I do feel like that about Yuso Parsonen. I think he needs more than, you know, typical fourth line minutes. He needs to be playing more minutes, but I don't know how you fit it in. I don't know how you get him those minutes without kind of reconfiguring how you think about deploying your forward lines because he needs more than, you know, eight, nine minutes a game. Yeah. 
And that's going to be the key too, is are you going to put these young players in a situation where they're going to get ice time? And you know what, for as much crap as John Hines gets and probably deserves for some stuff at the beginning of the year, especially with Ellie Tolvanen, especially with Cody Glass early on and, you know, Phil Tomasino not making the team out of camp. I do think he's done a good job of giving players situations to yes. play in like you know you may see like Yuso Parson play like 12 minutes a game or something like that but he's getting a lot of looks on the penalty kill or he's yes. out there getting some power play time yeah you know same thing I think um you know Tommy Novak the other night had like 11 minutes of ice time which is like what the hell is that but then he gets you know basically all of the power play one time so right. I do think that John Hines does deserve some credit for putting these players in situations where, you know, they're not having to carry the team on their backs, but they're getting little chances to have important tasks throughout the game. Yeah, um, quality over quantity. Yeah, so I do think John Hines deserves some credit for that. Um, who are the three players? So let's let's say um, Philip Forsberg's back. Phil Tomasino is healthy and Yuso Parson is healthy. Who's three players in the lineup now that come out? Um, I think Rasmus Asplund. Now I haven't seen a ton from him. Okay. So gauge that, you know, we haven't seen a ton from him. I think, you know, and I love this player. I want to say this. I have loved this player since training camp, but I think Kiefer Sherwood comes out of the lineup. Love him, but he comes out of the lineup. Um, Mark Jankowski comes out of the lineup. Okay, so you're so you're leaving in Michael McCarron and John Leonard. Well, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do that. I don't know how I'm going to do that. I I, 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 I think McCarron, McCarron comes out because he was the last one basically in. Yeah, uh, I think they would kind of rather have him as an extra piece anyway when everybody is healthy. Uh, I'm with you. I think Kiefer Sher Sherwood comes out because I think if the Preds get some scoring back, they're yes. going to need more depth on the back end than they are up front. You know, mm -hmm. assuming assuming it's not Phil Tomasino or Luke Evangelista scratched. Um, and I do think, yeah, I mean, I, I really like what Sean Leonard has done. I know. I it's, yeah. Leonard. Um, I feel like it'd be him unless it's Mark Jankowski. Who also has not been horrible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you kind of got to, there is some sorting. We need the sorting hat from Hogwarts is exactly what we need. Yeah. Uh, so professor McGonagall, if you're listening to this podcast, please give us a line sorting version of that. <laughs> um, so it's no secret the Predators have not had a good outlook against the Arizona Coyotes. We have talked about it all too often. So, Anne, you look back on the history mm -hmm. of the Nashville Predators and Arizona Coyotes. Again, this history goes all the way back to 2012. You know, there's been some embarrassing playoff performances. There's been some embarrassing in-game performances. Yeah. There's, of course, the whole thing last year. Oh, yeah. What do you think is the most embarrassing Predators-Coyotes moment? Mm. 
That's a great question and sadly takes a lot of time to sort through and come to an answer. I will say, I think the worst, maybe not most embarrassing, but the worst was what happened last year. That, I mean, the trajectory of the postseason was thwarted in a game against Arizona where the Predators were up for nothing against the Arizona. But for me, I went, you know me, I'm, I'm an emotional hockey player or a hockey person. And so I went back to what was the most emotionally disappointing one to me. And that was in the 2020 qualifying bubble play-in round where, you know, Nashville had to play Arizona. We were like, okay, here's what made it so excruciating. First of all, the Predators got swept by Arizona. So that's just bad. No, they didn't get swept. They won a game. Did they win a game? They won game two. Oh, bless. They won game two. <laughs> yeah, good, good for them. Good for them. It did them no good. But it was that we had waited so long for hockey. It was such a yucky time in the world. We had not had sports. We had waited so long for hockey. Hockey was back. The Predators needed to beat the Arizona Coyotes to play more hockey. And we all wanted more Nashville Predators hockey. And Darcy freaking Kemper ruined all the things for us. You know, this was a series that I felt like most people felt confident that Nashville was going to come out of and Nashville was going to get through the play-in round and we were going to see more Nashville Predators hockey. And I will tell you, I still get twitchy about Darcy Kemper. I don't care where he plays. I know he's not with Arizona anymore. I still get twitchy over him because he absolutely came out of nowhere and embarrassed Nashville and the Predators could get nothing past this kid. So for me, that was the biggest emotional letdown for me was that play in round against Arizona. It was just excruciating. Yeah. I mean, if you're going pure embarrassment, it's gotta be last year, right? Oh, Because of, because of how much I, I think the, the tides turned because of that loss. Like again, yeah. the predators, predators were up four nothing, blew a four nothing lead to lose five four, five consecutive goals. Remember, if the predators hang on to win, they don't play Colorado in the first round. Come on, they play the Calgary Flames, who were a by you know with all due respect to them, a much worse team. Then the Colorado Avalanche, who, again, the Predators had played a couple times and looked really good against, especially late in the season. True. You know, I get that you don't have UC Soros, and I'm not saying for sure the Predators win that series, but how different do you think the perception of the team would be if the Predators went out and, you know, maybe lost a seven-game series, you know, a game seven overtime like the stars did last year, as opposed to just getting curb stomped by the Stanley cup champions who just went on to basically curb stomp everybody and route. That to me is the most embarrassing and mm-hmm. the most emotionally draining. I'm going to take a page from your book, but it's not 2020. Okay. It's 2012. Yeah. Because here's the thing that Asheville predators uh, the one year they were maybe considered dark horse Stanley Cup favorites. Like a lot of people were looking at the Nashville Predators and saying, this is a team that can make a Stanley Cup run. You know, they had Pecorine, they had Shea Weber, Ryan Suter. At that point, 
probably the best defensive pair in all of hockey. You got Alexander Radulov back. You know, you brought in Andre Kostitsin to go along with Sergey. You had Mike Fisher, who was on a tear. You had all of this talent that were just scoring at will and suffocating teams. They look like a dominant team. They went out and crushed Detroit, the dynasty, in round one. Nick Lindstrom's, like, final hurrah. They look like a juggernaut. And then they get to the Arizona Coyotes. At that point, still the Phoenix Coyotes. Mm-hmm. And they just absolutely crap the bed. And it was just embarrassing moment after embarrassing moment. You had the David Leguan throwing the puck at oh, his God. own goal mishap. You had the whole, you know, bar extravaganza with Rattleoff and Kostitsin that wound up with both of them getting suspended. You know, there's two of your top offensive players getting suspended for breaking curfew. You know, you just had a couple of rough performances here and there. And it's like, it's hard not to look at that series and be like, what could have been? Mm. And you know what? The Preds ran into Mike Smith, who uh, was the, you know, one of the original Preds killers uh, who just absolutely stole that series. But I look at it and it's like, there is so much potential in that team in that year. And then for them to just kind of, blow it in uh, in almost this self-imposing self-imploding mm. fashion that to me is the one that i go out and it's like oh i certainly wish that would have gone much differently yeah yeah there are arizona is the the team that just evokes regret in other teams like they are they are the date you wish you hadn't gone on. They are the F around and find out team of the NHL. They, that's just who they are. They may not make the playoffs, but they are going to make other teams miserable while they try to get there. And they most certainly did. Let me tell you that. <laughs> oh. Uh, well, let's hope we don't have to experience anything tonight that we look back on in 10 years and bemoan yes Uh, let's hope it goes smoother for the nashville predators tonight and where can people find your work you can find my work online at insidethepreds.com you can find me on twitter at and k underscore mama on ice you can find me at on the also be sure to follow the podcast at lo underscore predators as well and hit that subscribe button however you're listening to this whether it's on youtube or your favorite podcasting platform really helps us out that's going to do it for us on today's locked on predators podcast thank you for making us your first listen of the day back tomorrow with preds coyotes recap